All right. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're not hearing me. I thought you were hearing me. Okay, we have prayed, so we continue from where we stopped. Sorry for that hitch. We are looking at a part two of praying to get results. Praying to get results because we have our prayer fest going on this month. So we need to um, look at some things that will enhance our prayer life. But let me start with what I appealed to us yesterday night uh, about giving attention to God's word. Do not give passive attention to the word of God. Give it very active attention. Matthew 13, 15 says, For this people's heart is wax cross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and see what we miss when we don't give the word of God attention. And they said, and should understand with their heart, not head. You can have intellectual discourse of the Bible. It will profit you nothing. You can have a mental accent and say, yeah, quote scriptures, quote scriptures. But it will profit you anything until it gets to your heart, until it gets to your spirit. And Jesus said, should understand with their heart and should be converted. You see, gets to your heart, then you are converted and I should heal them. Three things. It gets to your heart and then you get the understanding, the revelation of it. And then your life is transformed and changed. If it's healing, it comes. If it is this, there's a conversion. Conversion is not just character-wise. Conversion is, it changes you into what God created you to be. A reflection of his glory. Like we heard on Sunday, we were created to be like God. And then we should have that reflection. As Jesus was a reflection of the Father, so should we all be a reflection of Jesus. So we should be converted. There is a conversion from the old life to a new one. And then he said, and I should heal them. Healing is not just physical. Emotional, all manner of healing. Bringing us to wholeness. Wholeness. But he says, unless we see what he's talking and hear, these things won't happen. And if we're not hearing and not giving attention to the word of God, we will not grow spiritually. Look at Hebrews 5.11. There is so much more we should like to say about this. But it is difficult to explain. Why? Especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. The Holy Spirit said, there are things I want to share with you about your life, about the things happening around you. There are roles I want to assign you in your prayer closet, the things I will want you to do, but you won't understand them because you don't listen. You don't. So if I start telling you those things, you won't even listen to. Verse 12 says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again. 
They're going from place to place, looking for somebody to pray for them. Any prayer group is there. Because he's afraid. He's totally afraid. He's, he's fear-driven. There is no stability. He doesn't know. He, there's, not, there's no anchor. for Jesus, the anchor, it doesn't exist for him or her. Looking for somebody who pray for me, who prophesy to me. On Sunday, we'll ask, when will you stop that? And start being, doing what God has given you the, the, the wherewithal to do. A dependent person does not produce his best or her best. So listening is very important, very, very key. So last week we ended by reminding ourselves that God needs to trust us to be faithful with the things we are asking him for. And then look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10. The one who faithfully manages the little as he has been given, I'm reading TPT, the little he has been given will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. To receive more. You know, we should know the things that affect our prayers. Because many people, are, I can't say, but you know yourself if your prayer is that great. You know, I should know myself, you should know yourself. If your prayer is producing results on it. Some of these things we are discussing are the things we should really go into and check with the Lord and say, Lord, am I really faithful? Show me where I am not faithful, that you can't trust me with some things. Because everybody is right in his own eyes until God shows us. He says, he says, he continues, he says, but those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, you don't pay your tithe, you don't honor God with what God gave you. It's too difficult for you to give God offering that honors him. You even need to be preached to do, to do stuff like that. You need for somebody to really preach to you about giving to God, a Christian, not a baby Christian, 10 years Christian, 15 years Christian. You need for somebody to tell you to give God money <laughs> and you need for, for somebody to remind you that you should take care of the poor and the, you should share what you have listen to me the scripture says if you see your brother has need and you close your heart how can you say you are a Christian I did his bible how can you say that the love of God is in you how can you say how can you? That's the question the Holy Spirit is asking me and asking you. Which means God takes this for granted that everybody guided and led and inspired by this spirit that gave us the Son of God will also be able to with ease also help people as a matter of new nature. If you are not handled the world riches of this world, I mean this, with integrity, why should you be trusted with with the eternal treasures of spiritual world. Do you think that if God wants to expand this church 
and he wants to give money to this church. He thinks he will give it to people who won't give to this church. He, he knows every heart. He thinks he will go and give somebody who will not be trusted to use it for what he wants to release the money for. No, he gives it to those he knows that if he gives it to them, they'll be faithful to give it to where he wants it. He said, I found David, the man who would do my will. He would do what I want. I don't want people who, who, who fight with me. Struggle. He said, I don't want to strive with man. I'm not going to be striving with me. You make your choice, live with it. Let's continue. He said, if you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? You have not been faithful in the things that perish. And you think God will give you the things that are more important, more in value than the things that perish. And if you have not proven yourself faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be giving wealth of your own? You know, some people are fasting to be anointed. They want the big ministries. They're fasting. I used to, we used to have somebody near us when I, we lived in Lagos, in Queen's College. This is really truth. He was fasting to be a pastor. He went on a very long fast and died. He denied himself food for a long time. Dry fasting. He died in the process. There are people who fast anointing. We're looking for anointing. Don't we read this Bible? That God says, hey, if you are not faithful in the things that perish, I'm not going to give you the riches of heaven. You can fast till you die. It's not giving it to you. Because God will not violate his word. Is it to give it to you so that you use it on faithfulness? You lose it to make a name for yourself? Why should God give you something that will, de- that will use to destroy you? And the scripture says, God says, don't commit my work into the hands of unfaithful people. 1 Timothy 1.12. I'm sorry. 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things thou, that thou hast had of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. God is looking. It's a faithful man who will find. God is looking for faithful people. God is looking... And the point is, the one, this one, he says, he says, if you have not proven yourself faithful with what belongs to another, you have never served anywhere. You have never served. You want to be served when you, too, you have never served anywhere. I remember one man came to me when we started down there in work. He came and said, the Lord said, I said, the Lord speak to us too here. When he says, we will know. I said, but by the way, where do you serve? He said, oh, no, there's no place where they, where they you know, ro- roving apostles. I said, no, no, no. It's not Bible. There are days of small beginning. Where did you start the small beginning? Where you started to grow. You grow in grace. You don't become an apostle going from church to church. Where you have not grown, you didn't start anywhere. You didn't serve anywhere. You didn't. You did. The Bible says if you are not faithful in another man, so why should God give you? We, we think that God doesn't follow the Bible. We can't wring his hand to do stuff. We can't. Because the word is God. These are the ways that God says, if you are faithful, you don't have to beg me. I'm looking for faithful men to entrust my riches into because I want it to be used to bless mankind, to give money, to give abundance of grace. He said, I'm looking... 
to and fro, I'm looking for people whose heart is right towards me. People whose heart, heart is dedicated to me. So that I can give them what I want to be used to, to be used to bless mankind. And Paul made a wonderful statement in 1 Timothy 1.12. He says, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. Why did Jesus enable Paul? Because he counted me faithful. Jesus counted him faithful, putting me in the ministry. You want to be our minister. Everyone has ministry. Jesus counted him faithful first. You don't put yourself in the ministry. All these people putting themselves in the ministry, listen to me, it's demonic. Nobody takes this honor unto himself. Somebody has to certify your gifting. Somebody has to, there has to be two or three where you serve. They have to certify that gifting. You don't jump out. Paul said, when the apostles saw the gift that God gave me, they ratified it. And God said, go to them. They need to ratify that gifting I gave you. And the Paul said, they saw it. That God gave me this. He said, if they didn't prove it, I've run in vain. You don't, you don't, God is not a disorderly person. You wake up, I have anointing, I have ministry. You begin collect, you won't let your children go to church. You become pastor, everything. And you don't even know what you're doing. You have no idea because the Holy Spirit didn't anoint you for that. It's not going to teach you anything about it. Faithful. Why not be faithful in Sunday school? Teach for Sunday school faithfully and be happy there. Why not be faithful as a life center leader and be happy there? Serve as a life center leader. Be faithful in that ministry where God called you. He said, if you are faithful in the little, God says, then I, God, I am, I'm the one. I will give you more. Give you more. But no. No, no, no. The days of small beginnings not for us. We have anointing. God called me. No, it's a long time God called me. The second point I want to make is that the choices we make daily, the life we choose to live daily, creates a platform for God to walk from or a platform to, for the devil to walk from. And it impacts our prayer and it impacts our life. You may not know what it does. The choice I make, the life I choose to live, creates a platform from, God, from where God can walk in my own favor and interest. All this singing, I can see everything turning around. Not everybody singing it is seeing anything turning around. You, you have to, the, the life we live creates a platform from which God can walk or from which the devil can walk. But we create that platform. Some preachers call it atmosphere for a miracle. That's when you gather and sing. That's not what I'm talking about. That's part of it, but that's not what I'm talking about here. First Corinthians 6, 8, 8. Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Know you not that the unrighteous, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't you know that? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. 
nor abusers of themselves with mankind, all this perverted sex that churches are supporting. After we've taken over the world and made noise and supported everything, Jesus is coming. Is coming. Is coming. Jesus is coming. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but be not deceived, neither idolaters, fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, the, the next one, nor thieves. You say there are no thieves in the church of Jesus. You haven't been around. Nor covetous, greedy people. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Does it get any plainer than that? Do, do we need to really interpret this? This is a simple statement. People who leave this type of platform are not giving God a platform from which he can manifest his blessings in their life. They are not being faithful. They are unfaithful. And more is not going to come. Galatians 5.19. Another, the same thing repeated now. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Hatred, do you know there are people who come to church, they don't talk to each other? And I'm talking about hearing the word they have not heard. And they think it's fine. Oh, man. They think it's perfectly fine. Jesus said this a hardened heart. They don't want to come to be healed. They don't want to. It creates a platform for the enemy. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. Can I have this in the New Living Translation? So some of this was is 18th century words. New Living Translation will give us a, new, a newer version of these things. Galatians 5.19, New Living Translation. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, quarreling, quarreling. Yeah, quarreling. Anger tantrum, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. Do you know Christians go to, there are Christians who go to clubs, go to clubs, get drunk, and come in the morning and say, I love Jesus. I said it yesterday, you can't love iniquity and God at the same time. If the spirit of Christ in you, that spirit hates iniquity and loves righteousness. You can't love God and mammon. It's not possible. Jesus said you can't follow me unless you hate yourself. Which means you don't follow your desire. 
Nothing takes my place in your heart. Not your father, not your mother, not your wife, not your children, and not even you. Not even you. Not even you. The scripture said, let nothing, let, don't let anything take the place of God in your heart. Brethren, the days are evil in which we live. Iniquities are abounding. There are, there are all manner of um, versions of Christianity. But the scripture cannot be broken. Envy, drunkenness, white parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's not faithful. God is not going to invest in it. Did you think that prodigal son, why he was living this kind of riotous life, did you think he would call up to the father and say, Daddy, you know what? You, you promised to bless me and my resources are gone. Can you please send me for that more money? Down here, bless me, Lord. Your grace covers me. Send me more money in this place where I am. Send me more money. You think the father will send him? You think the father will send him? Yeah, the inheritance is his, but he created a platform that from where the father cannot bless him even though he's his son. You think that boy in that riotous life will stay there and say, Daddy, you know I'm your son. You know I'm your son. Grace is abounding. Grace, it's because of grace that that inheritance was given to him anyway. He didn't work for it. You think the daddy will send more? No. I don't think so. That's what the scripture is saying. When you put yourself in the place of the prodigal and you vacate the house, vacate, you are not living in Christ, you move out of house and stay living with pigs and doing all that kind of prodigal stuff, it will affect you directly, affect your prayer. You can't call up to your daddy and say, daddy, I mean, I mean, um, I mean, uh, club. Can you send me more money? I need more beer. They won't send you. They are not faithful. Faithful. I'm look, he said, I'm looking for a faithful man. Faithful man. I will commit my things into their hands. Not unfaithful people who will go and misuse it. You want to be pastor of a big church, but you, you money. You can't, even your wife, you can't, you, can't, you, can't, you can't do anything useful with money. You are so, you are so irresponsible with money. So when God makes you pass off a church, you will steal his money and die. You have no respect for God, you have no respect, and you want God to make you a pastor, so you start using church money to buy cars for yourself and do party, buy their party, go to, go to Dubai to do party. You carry people in the plane, go to Dubai to do party. Pastor, pastor, Give it to poor people. There are people who don't have. Jesus is coming. The, Jesus is coming. Nothing is hidden from him with him we deal with. Paul said, I, when I preach, Paul said, I preach in trembling and fear because I know that I'm accountable to him for every word I speak and for everything I do. He said, I stand in awe of him to whom I'm accountable for what I tell you is his message and for the life I presented to you as example. 
He said, he knows my heart and nothing is hidden from him. Paul said, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. You're not faithful. Is it, is, is it, can it be plainer than this? Now look at what the word of God says in 1 Peter 3.10. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongues from speaking evil. You know how, how we lie? I've told us that the devil is represented by, by a serpent. And serpent has split tongue. Split tongue. Which means he's double tongue. He says one thing means the other. That's what this double-tongued person means. If this is one, this is one. It doesn't, it's not two, two. This tongue is saying two different things. Lying. The language of the devil. It's not the language of the kingdom of God. But we lie with ease. And say grace. The Bible said, shall we continue in seeing so the grace will abound? We're going to be lying, so grace will. He said, God forbid. He said, forbidden. God didn't give grace to perpetuate evil. God gave grace to save us from evil. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace, work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. Did you see how it affects our prayers? Faithful people, his ears is open, say, yeah. Prodigal, he won't say more. But when the prodigal turned around and started to come home, the father went out and said, now he's positioned himself to where I can invest in him again. Now, you know, you know, our Lord Jesus could not, the, the city of uh, Bethsaida, uh, Cherazin and Bethsaida, they spawned the teaching of, of Jesus. They, they ignored his word. They, were live, they, they scorned his word. People who scorn the word of Jesus don't see his miracle. You can check out in Mark chapter 6 where he couldn't hear them because they, they scorned his teaching. They were laughing at him. They said, is it not a carpenter? They scorned his teaching. You scorn his word, you don't see his miracle. You hear, you are healed. You don't hear, you don't have faith. And so in Bethsaida, they scorned his teaching. Of all the miracles were in the score, they, they just decided to be living their life. There are people who decide to do their thing. And Jesus, they brought a blind man to Jesus. Let's read this thing. Matthew 11, 21. No, Mark 8, 22. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him in Bethsaida. Watch this in verse 23. Jesus took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village. He said, this is not a platform for God to walk. 
led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eye, he laid his hand on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around and said, yes. He said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. Then they look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hand on the man's eye again, and his eyes were opened. His right, his sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, listen to this. Don't go back into that village on your own. Don't enter there. Hey, if you are going home, don't enter there. I'm telling you now. I have to bring you out. And to heal you took a while. If you go, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't enter there. Bethsaida. Christians who are living in Bethsaida instead of Christ. Now, Look at Bethsaida in Matthew chapter 5, verse 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue how certain which says, Thy brother. No, 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 that, that's not proper. Matthew eleven twenty one. sorry. Matthew eleven twenty one. 21. Woe unto the chorazin. Woe unto the what? Bethsaida. Why? For if the mighty works which were done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. You rejected my word. You rejected it. You wouldn't take them in. Jesus said to the man, don't go back there. They'll corrupt you, and this will come back. Don't go back there. Look at Mark 5.35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, Satan, which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus had the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe, 37. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And he came, he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumults, and them that wept and wept greatly, 39. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make you this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. Will you laugh at the word of God? You're not responding. You're doing what you like. You laugh at it, scorn it. But when they had, but when he had put them all out, he took this man from beside. I said, out of here. I can't heal you here. Out. He came here. I said, this should get out. I've seen the miracle of God. But we say they don't have faith. What is faith? Is action. Their action was laughing. They didn't honor it. And here was the Lord. There was God in person, in human form. He sent them out and healed the girl. And let me finish reading it. In verse 39, when he had come in, 
He said unto her, Then why make you this idol and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, all of them, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talita Kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway he, the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he tried them straight that no man should know it. Don't talk to those people there. He told this man, he said, don't enter that city. He told this people, he said, don't tell these people. Don't talk to them. I'm going to talk you out of this miracle. You know people talk people out of miracle? Don't tell them. They will scorn at it. You know, there's something about unbelief. There's something about hardened heart that even if you see God coming down, I won't recognize him. These people saw miracles beside that. Jesus said, the miracle that was made among you, you still scorned all of that. Jesus said, don't tell these people anything. You want this girl to continue to live? Don't talk to them. He said them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given to her to it. Don't discuss this with this people. Ephesians 4.27 Anger gives a foothold to the devil. There are things that give foothold to the devil, platform from which he works. If anger can do that, then all these works of the flesh, then we read can do that. When it becomes our lifestyle, if it's something we keep doing, if something we keep doing, not that you do it once and you know, it's something when it becomes your way of life, it creates that platform. First John 1 says, so why are we lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness? If we go on, if we continue living in spiritual darkness, we don't have fellowship with God. We are not practicing the truth. So how? It will affect your prayer directly. Titus 1.16 Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by their way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing any good thing. They claim to be believers, claim to be born again, but the way they live Action speaks louder than words. Deny him. Now, the thing that helps us to live in the realm that we enable God and platform from which God can work in our life is repentance. It's a continuous, a continuous realigning of our actions and our thoughts uh, towards the will of God and the word of God. Everybody, including me, we should be repenting because like, like a car going, you know, the, the tire wants to go right, they should turn it around. Repentance is what everybody should be doing. Are you, once you notice where you've gone off mark, instantly repent. That will help you to stay on that platform from where God can work for you and then deny the devil a platform. It works in your own personal interest. So repentance is not a religious thing that we should be, you know, we should, we should give it attention. Because repentance is... is Changing your heart and stopping something that you know is not working in your own interest. 
you know that when the prodigal son turned around, something better started to happen for him. But until then, nothing was happening for him. Now, repentance has fruit. It has three fruits. Confession of your fault, restitution, and turning away from doing the same thing again and again. These are the fruits of repentance. Which means repentance will produce these three things willingly from a heart. You don't force repentance on people. Repentance is what somebody chooses to do from his heart. Mark 3, 8. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove by the way you live. If you say I've repented, prove it by the way you live. You know, when we say things to God, God says, show me. I want to see. Because action is is what ratifies our word. If there's no action to ratify what I'm saying, that word is vain. Even in our relationship with one another, if you are telling me one thing and you are doing another thing, you are making fun of me. Action is what ratifies what I'm telling you. When my action is total at variance from what you are saying, you should, I should, why should I believe you? Why should I be listening to what is worthless? Faith is action. Where there's no action, there's no faith. You say God is God, well, prove it by what, the way we live. You say you repented, okay, show it by action. So it produces these three basic things. There could be more, but you look at these three ones. Restitution which is commanded from the Old Testament. Let's look at what God told Israel. Leviticus 6, 1 to 5. When the Lord said to Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, suppose one of you sins against your associate and is unfaithful to the Lord. You see what caused it being unfaithful? <laughs> That's the word he uses, unfaithful. Unfaithful to the Lord. Suppose you cheat in a deal involving a security deposit or you steal or commit fraud or you find lost property and lie about it, and you lie while swearing to tell the truth, or you commit any other such sin, if you have sinned in any of these ways, you are guilty. You must give back whatever you stole, or the money you took by extortion, or the security deposit, or the lost property you found, or anything obtained by swearing falsely, you must make restitution by paying the full price plus an additional 20% to the person you have harmed. On the, same, on the same day, you must present a guilt offering. Now, restitution is not really taught strictly in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. But that doesn't take away the fact that it's part of your proof that you've really, really repented. It's a just thing to do. If I stole this, I don't know if my camera can show this. If I stole this and I'm, I, I'm keeping it, as long as I'm keeping it, I, I'm still a thief. It's as simple as that. If I stole this and the day I really repent and say this is not right, the natural thing I'm doing is that I'm taking it back to the owner. And the day I take it back, that's the day I stop being a thief. But as long as I'm keeping it to myself and keep using it and saying I've repented, no. The proof of it is that I return it 
to the owner. I go to the owner and return it to him. I can't be using stolen something, something I got fraudulently, and I said I've repented and continue to use it and depriving the owner, the rightful owner, the use of what belongs to him. I think that in the New Testament, we must be more sincere than the Old Testament saints. The New Testament doesn't teach 20% and all this, but there is, there is moral standard we have as people who have Jesus. That you see your brother in pain, you should be able to go and help. Return what you took that is putting your brother in a disadvantage. Return it to him. That's the fair thing to do. In the general, general teaching of scriptures, justice is part of it. God said, I'm just. We must be just. We must be fair. Zacchaeus proved by his willingness to return that he has really repented. Now, again, if I return, if I stole somebody's money and I'm using it, I don't care. I don't think I've repented. I'm enjoying the fruit of what I've stolen. But Zacchaeus, when he repented, said, I'm returning what I stole. That's a fruit. It's a proof by the way you live that you have repented. Again, remember, I was saying that repentance realigns you to be in a place where you present a platform from where God can walk. And you deny the devil access to you. Luke 19.8. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him for food. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Now, I want to talk about something. You know, this last thing Jesus said, This day salvation is come to this house. People use it to teach and say, You see, before you are saved, you have to return things. That's not what Jesus is saying. This was salvation. It's not salvation of the New Testament. You can't have salvation of the New Testament when Jesus has not died yet. For without the shedding of that his blood, there's no forgiveness of uh, sins. And the, the scripture tells us, I think Romans 10, 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He hasn't died. He hasn't been raised from the dead. So on what are you going to base this salvation you're talking about? So it's not salvation of the New Testament. What Jesus is talking about is that before the cross, while Jesus was here, his ministry, and I want you to listen to me, was strictly for the Jews. He never crossed into the Gentiles to minister to them. It was strictly for the Jews. It was strictly for the Jews. If he ministered to the Gentiles, it was just a discussion to introduce himself. But he focused mainly, I think it's a better word to say, he focused mainly on the Jews you know, he did some things for the Gentiles or the woman who said, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, crumb. He said, yeah, you can have it. The Syrophoenician woman, you know, and all those kind of things. But that was not his focus of ministry. His focus of ministry was where God sent him. Why? Because the Old Testament had not ended. The priesthood was still in place. The high priest was still in place. The tabernacle was still in place. And he himself was going to the, to the, to the synagogue to, 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 to teach. So the, the Old Testament was still in place. 
the New Testament, based on his blood and sacrifice, has not uh, started. So what he's talking about is that this is a, for as much as this is a son of Abraham, he's talking about children of Abraham, Israelites. He was calling them back to their God, the covenant they have through Abraham, their father. This is not the covenant we have through Christ. He said, for as much as this Zacchaeus is the son of Abraham, we have a covenant through faith in Christ. So that through him, we got the blessings of Abraham. But this, this covenant is... Oh, look at what the scripture says. Hebrew 9, 8. The Holy Ghost, this signifies that the way into the holiest of all was not yet manifest while as the first tabernacle was still standing. As long as that tabernacle was still standing, the New Testament that brings us into the presence of God has not started. The, the, the temple, um, uh, what do you call it, cotton was still there. God was still behind it. There was this, um, uh, you know, ark of covenant. They were still in place. And the Holy Spirit, as long as, the Holy Spirit said, as long as those things are there, the new way into the, into the real presence of God has not been revealed yet. So Jesus was operating in the Old Testament up on this point. So what he was telling them is that this man, being a son of Abraham, has, been, has come in repentance to the God of Abraham in the Abrahamic covenant of works. Of works. Of works. Look at Matthew 15, 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent but, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, that's what I'm sent to. It was after he rose from the dead, he now told his disciples, you cannot take my message to the whole world. To the whole world. Look at, look at Matthew 10, 5. These 12, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles. Don't go to the Gentiles yet. Because the Old Testament is in force. The Old Testament was, did, not, did not include the Gentiles. The law was given to the Jews. Don't go to the world of the Gentiles, nor enter into the city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, but go rather to the lordship of the house of Israel. So Jesus said, for as much as Zacchaeus is part of the lordship of Israel, he has come back, just like John the Baptist was calling them back to Yahweh, and they said, what must we do? He said, stop stealing. Exactly what Zacchaeus did here. Stop being violent against people. John the Baptist never said to them, believe in the Lord Jesus and you are saved. No. Because Jesus hasn't died. That new way hasn't been opened. You can't use this as teaching for salvation. Then you are presenting salvation on basis of works, not on basis of the cross and the blood of Jesus. That is false doctrine. So, our restitution is a proof that you have repented, that you've changed. A child of God who has accepted Christ already, born again, should be able to very easily return what he's told. Very easily return it to the owner. That's not your salvation, but it's a proof of the fact that you have changed your heart. You have changed your life. You, you, you are not the person, you're not the same person that stay people stop. 
I remember when I got saved, we took car loans from, from uh, Amadebelo University Teaching Hospital to buy my first car. They gave me 4000 something. I've forgotten how much, but I bought my car from Pujut Automobile, my first 504 air conditioned. And so when I got saved, the first thing I did was to write a check and mail it to them, paying for that loan. Nobody, I mean, I had to do that. And then the chief pharmacist wrote me back. The first thing he wrote is that, I'm sure now you are a Christian. That's the first thing he wrote. I'm sure now you are a Christian. All the loans I took from, from government, I went around looking for where to give them back the money. I didn't see any. I was going everywhere they said they have office to mail the money to them. I didn't find it. I didn't have to be pushed. The fruit of repentance that shows genuine change of heart that you don't want to be associated with that kind of life again. You have to preach to somebody who is born again, who has the Spirit of God in him, to return what he has stolen, what he has taken fraudulently. The second thing is conf- confession of guilt, admission of guilt. This is another fruit of genuine repentance. You know, James 5, 16. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. Confess it and acknowledge how you have offended one another. And then pray for one another to be instantly healed. This one way, healing can come. You know, a lot of people don't understand that when you have hurt people and do things like this, Again, like I said, it can give a platform to the enemy to hinder your healing. My, my pastor said that anytime his symptoms are not going, the first thing he takes is whether he has bitterness against anybody, whether he has, you know, because those things really present platform for the person who wants to hinder you, who is even attacking you with the, with the sickness. He said, I go through and check and, Lord, where, 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 who, what? Do I have anything against anybody? And you can go. And I've had testimonies of people who went and apologized to somebody. God healed instantly. You deny the devil that platform right away. What does it take? What does it take? It's for your own benefit. So, So the scripture says, confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. And then pray for one another to be instantly healed. For tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. A person who is humble enough to to acknowledge guilt and say, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Leviticus 5.3. Or suppose you unknowingly touch something that makes a person unclean. When you realize that you have done what you have done, you must admit your guilt from the Old Testament to New. Old Testament say you must. New Testament say confess it, admit it, admit your guilt. It's a proof, it's a fruit of genuine repentance. When you have not repented, then that's when you are denying. <laughs> denying you didn't do it. Number one, you are telling lies. How could that be real repentance? When you are telling lies, deceiving. Where does that prove that you have changed your heart from don't want to do it? What you're trying to do is to deceive somebody and probably present yourself in a false way. So people think you're good. There's one word for it. It's called hypocrisy. Seeking the praise of men. How is that repentance? How does it qualify for genuine repentance? 
You go and say to God, Lord, I'm sorry I did this. But you come in front of the person and say, I didn't do it. Me? Who can? You know, my first pastor, when he was teaching some of these things, we were baby Christians. He said, if I tell you something that's wrong, I find that it's wrong, he said, I'll look for you. I'll look for you. When I find you, I'll tell you, you know, that thing I told you is wrong. You know, my little boy, you, you come and say, Daddy, remember what I told you that time is true. I found that it's not right. It's not true. I'm telling you. So I found that it's not true. That's what the scripture is saying. A repentant heart proves it by the way he lives, by, by being eager to acknowledge, I did wrong. I'm sorry about it. If you read about David, the man will acknowledge his fault, his guilt easily. He never argued with God, never said, I did it. He said, God, I'm the one. Any time David was confronted with what he did, he would say, I'm the one. And ask to be forgiven. God found that heart, not a heart that was prideful, that was after himself, but was after God. This, Lord, I, I'm sorry, this that I did offended you. That was David for you. Remember the prodigal son, Luke 15, 17. When he finally came to his senses, <laughs> his senses, he said to himself, at whom even the higher servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. You know, thinking about this, and we, I used to preach and say, oh, the father didn't even let him say anything, but listen to me. When he said it there, the father had it. When he said it there with all his heart, the father already had it. Being God, he had it. The father had it. The father accepted it. The heart of love. When he said, I've sinned against my father, the father had it. He saw a truly repentant heart. Proved by acknowledgement of guilt. That's why the Bible says if you confess your sins, Acknowledge your guilt. Don't come here and pretend you didn't do anything. What will God forgive if you don't acknowledge that there's something you did? Another thing that acknowledgement of guilt does is it exposes the sin and helps you to turn away from it. It helps you to do the third one. The third one, a fruit of repentance, is that you now detest that thing and turn away from it. Because if you don't expose it, if you hide it, the tendency is it makes it more comfortable for you to continue doing it. It's more comfortable. You think you won't continue, but you will. You will. You might continue it another time, somewhere. There's another, the same, the same thing. You continue somewhere because you have hidden it in your heart. You've not gone to confess, confess it where it will embarrass you. And then you say, I'm not doing this again. Now look at Ephesians 5.10. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deed of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. That's what it teaches us to do. Expose them. Is to identify them as evil. And if you've taken part, accept your guilt. It is shameful even to talk about things that ungodly people do in secret. Expose them. Now, Psalm 66, 18. 
Psalm 66, 18. Yet if I had closed my eyes to my sin, the Lord God would have closed his ears to my prayer. Because I have not really repented. I've hidden it. I'm covering it from you. I don't want you to know it. God searches the heart. God looks at the heart, not what we are doing. Yet, if I had closed my eyes to my sins, I'm not saying I didn't do it. The Lord God would have closed his ears to my prayers too, because I'm not, I'm not repenting. So that platform is still there for the enemy. I'm not denying the enemy that platform. I am being deceitful to myself. Job 31, 33. Have I tried to hide my sins like other people do, concealing my guilt in my heart? What we should hide in our heart is not, it's not, what we, it's not sin. What we should hide is Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart. That also be there that I might not sin against you. I've hidden my, your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. When we hide it, when we hide sin, instead of the word, sin manifests. When we hide the word, instead of sin, the word manifests, controls us. Again, let me say it again. Anything you are covering, you have not repented. That is not the fruit of repentance. Number two is that you will find that you are going to be doing that. Thing. I don't care how it can manifest every one year, every five, but you are going to be doing that because you have not purged it from your heart. It's not purged. It's not purged at all. It's not purged. Second Corinthians 7 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of their God. One of the ways that we clean ourselves is to expose what we do, to be humble enough to go to this brother and say, brother, you know I did this, I hurt you, I'm sorry about it. To acknowledge that. And it brings my brother healing. You know, it brings him healing. You know, even the hidden world, when you cause an accident and walk away, they take you to jail and put you in, they take, they take you to court and put you in jail. Because you cause somebody harm and you walked away. No, you can't cause somebody harm, emotional harm, physical harm, financial harm, and then you walk away in pride. And the person say, no, you did this thing to me, so I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Sure? See that? What brand of Christianity is that? What brand of humility is that? What brand of sincerity do we classify that? So when we acknowledge, we expose it, it helps us to purge it. Because now, because I, because I exposed it to him, and, you know, I, I feel it, next time I'm going to stop it. It will help me do the third one, turn away from it. I don't want to confess this thing to anybody again. No, 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 no. The one I did, no, I don't want to do it again. It will help you. And then when you know that 
You are now accountable to people because whatever I'm going to go and confess. It, makes, it helps you keep yourself under you. We need help. Like my son preached on Sunday, we need to be wise. There are things that will help you. And so the, to have fellowship with the Spirit of God, through repentance, we, we, we position ourselves for God to have a platform from where he can walk. And when we pray, we pray in fellowship with him. Second Corinthians 6, 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The area I'm studying, I'm still praying for the Lord to teach me. It's all the, you know, the things that will defile Israel, so many things, and then how they will come and the praise we do. So I'm trying to ask the Lord, you know, to teach me how it relates to the New Testament. Defilement. And then Jesus said, sin will defile you. And then the Holy Spirit said, the things that defile the spirit and the flesh. So I'm trying to understand, you know, what I can learn from the shadow about the, the, the real, the spiritual. But there's no doubt there's defilement from the things we do. So the Bible says, come out from among them. Don't touch on clean things. Because it will present your enemy opportunity to have a platform to hinder you and frustrate you. Come out from among them. That crowd is not your crowd. You can't be in the prodigal son land. You should come out from there. You can't be in Bethsaida. Come out from there. You can't be among those who scorn God. He said, blessed the man who seated not among the, among the, council, among the council of uh, scorners. You can't be there scorning God. Come out from there. Come out. Stop scorning the word of God. Honor the word of God. Let Jesus be a real Lord, not as lordship over you, but somebody whom you have, God whom you have handed your life over to control it and to do those things that you can't do by the power he has given you. He said, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Then we can have fellowship. Amazing. Right? Romans 6, 13. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness. How about my mouth telling lies? That's instrument of unrighteousness. Now, when the Lord said, don't do that, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing it willfully, willfully, willful sin is the worst sin anybody can commit. Willful sin is where you, you engage it with your will. There is unwillful sin where you don't want, you know, you are fighting this thing. He said, you, you, God knows you are really resisting it. The Bible says you have not resisted unto blood. You are resisting it. Your will is not in it. But the Bible says that there are sins that overcome us, overcome you. Because you don't want it. You are resisting it. Your will is not in it. But there is sin that your will is in it. Koro, koro, I. You, you want. You really want. Because you're enjoying it. Because of whatever honor you derive from it. Or benefit you derive from it. Yielding my instrument, my members, my mouth, my hand. Gossiping, talking evil of people. Yielding my mouth. To be split tongue. After you gossiped about the person, you come out and say, brother, ah, I miss you last Sunday, I didn't see you. Double tongue, split, split tongue. <laughs> That's what it is. Snake. Blah, 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 blah. 
Ich nicht. He said, be yield yourself unto God. That's what it means. Giving your life to Christ. To be Lord, to take over and control. Yield yourself unto God. As those that are alive from the dead. And your members as the instruments of righteousness. Unto God. You know, this type of consecration. Consecrated life assures that we can grow in the knowledge of Jesus. And assures that our faith continues to be strong. In Hebrews 6, 11. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. Listen to this. In order to make certain that what you hope will come true. What you hope will come true. As you keep on walking in love, what you hope will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So the way is to walk in love. Walk in Christ. Walk in love. Walk in Christ. Walk in love. The new life is, is love. He said, when you do that, then you are going to follow. You are going to follow the example of those. See, that's how those people who inherited God's promises did it. They were walking in love. They were walking in fellowship with the Spirit of God. He said, when you do that, when you do that, when you do that, we're keeping loving others as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope will come true. You, don't, you deny the devil's says to hinder you. Look at 2 Peter 1.5. In view of all this, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. How? How do you respond to God's promises? Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. That's how you respond to God's promises. And moral excellence with knowledge. That's why Paul said, having these promises, let us purge ourselves. He said, this is how you respond to God's promises and make it work. When you walk in love, you say you can be sure that those things you're expecting will work. The, the, you disarm the enemy. You de deny him access. Now, Peter is saying the same thing. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. How? Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Love for everyone. The more you grow like this, this is amazing. <laughs> Listen to this one. The more you grow like this, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of, your, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The more you grow like this, fasting is good, this is wonderful, but let your life show the life of Christ. The more you grow like this, by developing moral excellence, by, by allowing the Lord Jesus to say, give, give yourself as instruments to, the, to God, to Jesus, so that he can, he can produce what you can, produce his life through you. The more you grow in this life, the more you get this life of Christ increase in you, the more, brethren, the more you grow like this, grow in love, 
the more productive your prayer will be, your life will be, everything you do will be productive and useful. You will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The knowledge of Christ that you get becomes useful. It produces. It's not like I read Bible, 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 Bible. It's nothing to show for it. The same life you're still living hasn't changed. Nothing to show for it. The only thing I've done is that you have perfected the way of hiding the tension. But at the end of the day, you are deceiving yourself. Because if you are not a doer of the world, you are just end up, end up deceiving yourself. Verse 9. But those who fail to develop in this way, they're doing their stuff, living in the flesh, are short-sighted and blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their old sins. So their friends and sisters walk hard to prove. <laughs> prove. What are you supposed to prove? That you, that you really are among those God has called and chosen. He says, prove that you are repenting. Prove that God has called you. God says, show me. On Sunday, they were told the same thing. <laughs> the word says, prove it. Show me. You believe I hear, prove it. The Bible says, prove it. Prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Never. You're not going to backslide. No. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus and of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, you see the glory of God in all his fullness. A grand entrance, easy as it is. Easy, easy, because you have faith is action. Faith is not a half faith. Faith, God says, show me, prove it. A grand entrance. A grand access. Brethren, what life will be better than this? Your prayer will become more productive. In short, the Holy Spirit will even be telling you what to pray about. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have. We've had to hear your word. Lord, you know, except you build, except you teach, except you open our ears, we'll not understand. Trust you with this, that the word that you've given us, Lord, will cause it to enter every heart and to bear fruit. Remind us day and night. Help us to meditate on distance so that the word will produce in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.